What is going on, guys, and welcome to another episode of the 5-1 Formation Podcast. My name is George, and I will be your host today. And joining me are Tommy and Anthony. Boys, hello, hello. What's happening? What's Gucci? What's Gucci? <laughs> so, uh, this podcast, we're going to be covering La Liga. This is our La Liga segment, and we're going to get right into it with the first place team. Out of all teams, can you take a guess? No, it's not Barcelona. No, it's not Real Madrid. No, it's not Atletico Madrid. Real Sociedad. They're off to a very hot start. And uh, last week they played against Huesca. Huesca, and they ended up winning 4-1. I mean... Are they the same? Is it the same case of them being like Everton, a smaller team, let's just say, let's just say and they're having a very good start? The record right now is four, two, four wins, two draws, and one loss. They do have seven games played. Uh, a lot of uh, the other teams in the league only have six games played. So, Tommy, do you think it's just another Everton case, yes or no? Yep, straight up yes, because if you look at the table... This table makes no sense because Barcelona now is 12th place with seven points. This will not last long. It's uh, so it's a team like Everton, Aston Villa. They're riding a high. They're firing on all cylinders. Everything's clicking. Everything's going their way. But now we're going to start to see the likes of Real Madrid, Sevilla, Atletico, Barcelona start picking up their pace, start getting these wins, and you're going to start seeing teams like Real like like Real Sociedad, Granada start regressing, not being as dominant. And yeah, I think this is just a small stint. But by New Year's, this table is going to be a lot different. Anthony? Yeah, I agree. I mean, Sociedad is probably the best equivalent to Everton. They have uh, quite a bit of of talent on this team with um, Oya Zerbao, Lillian Jose, David Silva, of course, Porto, uh, etc. So they have what it takes to definitely uh, at least finish in the top four, that's for sure. Last year, I believe they finished right out of it because the, of their uh, inconsistency. But this 2020-2021 season is uh, off to a very weird start. They're in first place. Granada's in third. Everton's in first. Aston Villa's in third. So uh, it's a very weird start to the season. Ace Milan's in first. Uh, there you go. Historically... Historically, you can say they belong there, but from recent seasons, uh, it's a bit of a an eye opener to watch. Yeah. Um, but um, yeah, it's it's a strange start to the year, and maybe uh, things might rebalance once the new year comes around. But we'll see. We'll keep our eye on it. Mm-hmm. Cool. All right. So there was a very, very, very big game this weekend, and it's it's kind of I'm kind of surprised we forgot to mention it. Uh, because maybe in our eyes, we're not as huge uh, La Liga fans as Antonio, who sadly couldn't make it to the podcast. But El Clasico happened this weekend. And I feel personally for me that El Clasico isn't as big of a game. It still is a big game, but uh-huh. it's not a Goliath game as it used to be with Ronaldo 
being with Real Madrid. So it was always the case of Ronaldo versus Messi. Do you guys agree? Big time. I don't feel like there's a, there's a, an attraction anymore to that. I, obviously, there's still two big teams, but it's not like saying Messi versus Ronaldo, like you said. So it, obviously, it's dying down a bit. And then, when, and then, what happens when Messi leaves, if he ever does? How is it going to be then? A Messi versus Ronaldo Clasico? I find now it's not as big as it was, like you said, George. I agree. Uh, Anthony. I mean, I. I somewhat agree. I mean, yes, I understand in terms of the Messi against Ronaldo competition. We always want to see that, you know, uh, Crosby against Ovechkin or, uh, you know, there's always that. We always want to see two uh, franchise one in a million type players go against each other. And uh, we were privileged to watch that for X amount of years between those two uh, when they played off in El Clasico in the past. But in terms of number-wise in Spain... They're going to laugh in all of our faces for even thinking that because it's still just as big. Uh, the numbers are definitely still there, I'm assuming, in terms of TV uh, viewers and all that. So I feel I still think it's just as big. But I understand your, your point of view in terms of those two players going against each other. Yeah. And I, I also do think that uh, uh, having to play in an empty stadium does take away from the excitement yeah. during mm-hmm. the game, too. Uh, I'm sure people watching at home were were just as excited, but to have the atmosphere and the energy during the game, it does have a a lot to do, and it's a big factor in the game and how the players perform and how the Mm -hmm. teams perform. So with that, uh, Real Madrid did end up winning 3-1. From what I saw in the highlights, because I couldn't catch the game, it seemed like a very exciting game, regardless of no people in the stands. Uh, very offensively open. Uh, chances were created by both teams galore. But in this case, Real Madrid seemed to get away with it. Uh-huh. And we'll say by this, we'll say this. In big games like this, is should VAR be used more not I would say should VAR be used in a better way compared to other games or whatnot because big games like this do matter in in the long run Uh, Tommy I'll go with you yeah I feel with uh, big games such as this when you have two uh, of the biggest teams in the world facing off against each other but I I find VAR should be the same as if it's any game because it's there to help make the right choices to prevent mistakes being made. And, yeah, I feel like, yeah, I don't know what else to say about VAR. You know my take on it. And? For sure. Anthony? I agree. I think it should be consistently used regardless of what game it is. I don't give a crap if it's El Clasico or not. Uh, it should be uh, utilized the same way in every single game, even if it's uh, Levante against Huesca. Couldn't care less. It should be implemented the same uh, the same consistency throughout every single league, every single game. Yeah. Um, uh, to me, that's a no-brainer. But I don't know how they uh, how the people at FIFA view it. But we'll see. Yeah. Or the league, but. All right. So one thing I I did find out, or I think we all found out uh, through Antonio in the in a little group chat that we had. I found it very interesting that uh, the referee for this game happened to be 
a hardcore Madrid fan. Um, we don't know if it's true or not. But if it is the case, in my opinion, I don't think uh, it should happen. I think a, a referee should be of the same nation of the two teams that are playing. Mm-hmm. Kind of like what they do in Champions League. Yeah. So I, I want to I wanna get your take on that, Tommy. Do you I, agree or disagree? I agree with, with it being biased. But when it comes to this game, it shouldn't be used as an excuse. Even if the guy was a Madrid fan or anything, he be, he made the calls right down the middle. There was no controversy, if, unless you want to call the Ramos one controversy. But it was clearly a pull in the box. You can't do that to another player. But uh, I agree with that. If the player, if a, if you assign a referee to a game, he should have no relation to either team. Because then you're gonna get oh he's doing it because he's biased because he's from there. He wants this team to win. And the game is going to be based off of that instead of being based off the two teams facing off against each other. So I would like to see unbiased refs. But for this case, Real Madrid was the better team, man. You can't put the blame on anything. Barcelona didn't capitalize on their chances. Coutinho could have scored a lot of goals. Like, I don't know what else to say. Real Madrid deserved to win that game. Anthony? Yeah, that's no that's no brainer. Uh, there's never, 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 never should it ever be the case where it's a, it's, if you want to talk about internationally, uh, for example, a coach of a nation of one of the two teams playing, or in this case, a ref of um, being a supporter for one of the two teams playing. Uh, there's there's no question it's going to be biased, even unconsciously, without even realizing it. But Tommy like uh, Tommy said, there was no controversy, so he did pretty well this game. Uh, from what I saw for most of it. Um, there was no questionable calls, no controversy. So uh, he, uh, he, did a, he did a good job. He didn't do anything crazy. Yeah. And, another, and another thing that Tommy mentioned just real quick is that uh, maybe, okay, if we put a, uh, aside the referees, uh, Real Madrid were the better team that day because Barcelona couldn't capitalize on the chances that they had. Uh, Coutinho mm-hmm. missing missing chances, uh, well, especially Coutinho for him uh, trying to change the game, you know. And yeah. in big games like this, uh, th- these chances don't come often, and you should capitalize on it. Uh, what's his name? Antoine Griezmann only coming on the 80th or 82nd minute from uh, from my memory. Yeah, a player of of that status. Paying that much money and not starting, uh, not starting a classical game. 81st minute. Eighty. Okay, so I was yeah. close. <laughs> no, just uh, just just in case. Uh, yeah. <laughs> no, no, it's okay. So uh, a player like him, not starting in a classical game, it just goes to show me, like, I don't know. It's just I don't think it's working out for Barcelona. When the only goal that was scored by Barcelona is the youngest player on the team or one of the youngest players on the team, what does that tell you about the rest of the team? Yeah. Yeah. It's, they got Griezmann uh, to do one thing, and that's score goals. And he hasn't been doing yeah. it even, for the past two seasons. Even, even in general, it, yes. I mean, I agree with you. Griezmann should have, should have been some on, but like, that was the first sub period that Barca did. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they didn't yeah. make any uh, previous subs before him. They waited until the 81st minute to make their first sub, which happened to be uh, Griezmann entering Cal at the same time. 
and then mm. later he brought on Dembele as well and Braithwaite. But that should yeah, have been the moment. The moment Ram the Ramos goal came on, Zidane already made a sub. Right, he brought Modric on, who was also a difference maker too on the team, obviously. Uh, but that uh, Krumen should have uh, brought on some uh, some extra firepower up front. So now you're chasing mm -hmm. the game, yeah. and you're about 30 minutes, 30 plus minutes left until the game is done. So it doesn't make sense how they waited until the 81st to uh, to make an offensive change. Um, also, that first goal that Valverde, Valverde scored, like PK was just caught like absolutely flat-footed. It was just horrible defending. Mm -hmm. And they converted right there and they already established... Uh, I mean, Fatih, thank God, responded right away. It was a great response, but that defensive display from a veteran center-back is so avoidable, it doesn't make sense. So him, him and Bonucci are very similar situations right now. They're both starting to age... Uh, they're they're both 33. They're both phenomenal uh, center backs, and I guess you can say they're starting to regress now. I mean, you know, now it's you have to look at. I mean, I know, I understand, I understand, seniority is a factor in, in class, and I know Bonucci captain uh, last game as well. But you have to start looking at starting, maybe even looking at starting in this case somebody else other than than PK, you know, because he's going to be a liability. Bonucci as well, when Delit comes back. I would, I would, the way that I saw Demi Rao play, I would want Demi Rao and Delit to start. But yeah. I don't know if Antonio has the same point of view in terms of uh, PK and who he would want to start in, uh, in place of him. But mm -hmm. I don't know what you guys think as well. No, I think it's a it's a big case of that. Like you got to put away the history that they've brought to the team, what they've done in the past, the success, like the name, like just their stature, and you got to look to the future. Like Anthony said, uh, obviously Gerard Piquet is a big name. He's a club legend. But if you know he's not up to par how the game is progressing now, you're going to start looking at new options. Because look at this, he costed you guys a goal. The past season, you see, Antonio's even said it, he's been on and off. Now you got to start closing chapters, even for Bonucci. Big name. Start closing chapters, bring in some new blood, so mistakes like this don't happen. No, no disrespect to the legends of the of the team, but yeah. sooner or later their time has to come. You know what I mean? You got to do that. The game has improved. The game has improved so much now, and like these the young talent that's just coming in, they're they're just so athletic and they're so pacey, bro. Like these, use the word elderly center backs are uh, <laughs> sometimes are, are they get caught flat footed and they can't keep up because. Uh, yeah. That was, that was a clear uh, a clear example because Valverde just fucking zoomed right by him and it was a beautiful pass by Benzema. Mm -hmm. uh, just, to, just to go back on a point that you made before, Anthony, where Griezmann ended up being the first substitute of of, uh, of Barcelona side and not and Ronald, I don't know what Ronald Coleman sees, but there was no, just, I'm trying to find my words here. But just based on the fact that he made the substitution at the 82nd minute shows me that there wasn't a sense of urgency from Ronald Koeman, especially the fact that they have five substitutes in La Liga. Yeah. So true, yeah. if, you ask, if you ask me, five substitutes, if you put on five new uh, fresh players onto the field, that can make a huge difference uh, very quickly because five players, that's half the team. Yeah. So if you're changing half of the team, uh, I think something good can happen. 
So maybe this was a, a true test of Ronald Coleman's uh, tactical uh, management, let's just say. And uh, he came short to Zidane, who's won three Champions Leagues with, yeah. with Real Madrid. Like, you can't wait to the last minute to bring on three players that you know could get you goals in Braithwaite, Griezmann, and Dembele. I don't understand what he had in his head to keep on... And like obviously Anzo Fati, uh, he's 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 outstanding. Coutinho had a good game, but like you have to start making changes. You got to start showing that listen, we're in it. We're not just giving up. We're not gonna be okay. Let's make these subs just for the hell of it. You gotta want to win. And I and like Antonio said last week, there's no urgence. There's no push. There's no will to win with this team this season. And I something's gotta change. Especially like you said, five subs, and you wait till the last ten minutes to to make one. Like I don't understand. I don't get it. I don't know if fans wanted to add anything to that, but... No, that's pretty much it, man. Uh, it was very questionable. I don't know what his uh, his thought process was during those uh, fucking four subs that he made in uh, six minutes. Yeah. That makes sense. All right. Uh, move, moving on. Uh, we're still talking about Barcelona and Real Madrid. Uh, I thought... Messi seemed like he played a very good game, even though he didn't get on the score sheet. Uh, he seemed to be all over the place, you know, uh, dropping back to the midfield, starting uh, and finishing plays. So you can't say that Messi didn't do what he could because Ronald Coleman did criticize him the week before uh, Classico saying that he could he could have provided more. And this was even before the Champions League fixture during the week, which they had a very good Champions League fixture coming up to this game. Yeah. So that's that. Uh, was there anything else that you guys want to add for the Classical game? Um, one little thing, and just a, just a comparison too, because it's going to be a comparison when they play against Juve tomorrow. I mean, it's two coaches that are trying to build their identity between the two teams. You know, they're trying to find uh, trying to find themselves, trying to implement a new system to the new team. They're trying to find their chemistry. So I understand. So it's and they're both two legends of the club as well. So it's uh, it's, it's it's those eye emojis that are looking at Juve and Barca right now. So uh, so it's, uh, <laughs> it's a wait and see at the moment between the which coach is going to try to implement their team, uh, their systems faster than one another, right? So. Uh, We'll see what happens during the season and tomorrow as well. Can't wait. Yeah. Alrighty. Okay. Sticking on to the subject of Barcelona, a uh, huge, huge, huge news broke out today. Uh, we kind of saw this coming leading up, but yesterday there was a vote of no confidence for Barmateo and his posse out. Then he came out and said that it wouldn't be the right time for him to step down and resign. And then moments later, the news broke out that Barmateo has resigned from the position as president of FC Barcelona or whatever he does. Uh, I want to know, I'm sure Antonio was happy. I'm sure a lot of Barcelona fans are happy because uh, he has brought a lot. He, and I meant he, he as in him and the board. how things are being run. Yes, the board and how things are being run at Barcelona. They have brought some sort of toxicity to the club, and now the the members of the club are trying to get rid of it because it's not only has it affected the board, but it's it's affected the results 
that Barcelona have been producing in recent yeah. years. You know, the last time they won a Champions League was in 2015, uh, struggling every every year in Champions League, getting knocked out in dramatic fashion. Uh, so there's a lot of politics involved. I want to know: Do you guys think is this a good is this a good step forward? Yes or no? And why? Tommy, I'll start with you. I feel every Barcelona fan, including Antonio, is reacting like they just won the treble after hearing this news. <laughs> because the fans have been shouting it out from the back, saying Bartomeu out for the past number of seasons. And something like this had to happen because you can't have a team like Barcelona not being on top of the table or top two. Like they're seventh. You see how it's affected the team. You see how it's affected Messi. Like a player like Lionel Messi threatened to leave the team because he was unhappy with the board. That's when you know and he know that. And sorry to cut you off. No, he go, didn't go. want to play. He didn't want to play anymore for the team yeah. that he that that made him. Let's just say. Yeah. yeah ahead, so it, so it just shows that they made a right decision. They saw that the team was not performing like the, like we're used to. Like you said, George, the last time they won the the Champions League was in 2015. They were the one of the hottest teams. They had the top three that were dangerous, MSN. But ever since then, I feel the board hasn't been backing the team, hasn't been making the right calls. And if Antonio's here, he'd be jumping, smiling, hitting the Barca badge. So this one's for you, buddy. Good. You finally got your wish. Bartomeu left. And? Yeah, I think it shows... Uh that people don't even realize the impact as well, even upper management can have on a team in the locker room, because it was clear that this uh, peasant of a president that they had was clearly um, a cancerous in the locker room, um, without even us realizing how much of an impact it can have on a player and him mm -hmm. making a career decision like this, uh, such a monumental decision that he wanted to leave Barcelona and uh, La Liga in general, maybe. Yeah, it was potentially with a lot of rumors that he might have uh, left Spain in general. Um, it's such an important thing. So it's now from moving forward, it's like a new beginning for Barca. Uh, they're looking to rebuild, and, uh, establish a new identity for the team. As Messi is probably going to look elsewhere, but now we have to ask ourselves, what is Messi thinking now that he's gone? Is he going to stay now? A lot of question marks there. We'll wait and see what happens. But um, even if he does, even if he leaves, it's a new beginning. Time to look elsewhere. Close a chapter for one player and one board. Um, and Barca fans should be excited, as they, they, yeah. they deserve to be. Yeah. I think I think with uh, Bartomeu leaving, obviously him and Messi, there was friction. Uh, even though we didn't see it, uh, or they didn't talk about each other as much, or maybe they did, I'm not sure. But it doesn't take a genius to figure out what's really going on, because... Messi is Barcelona, and Barmateo was the president of Barcelona. So it's two big egos getting clashed. Uh, I think with Barma, uh, Bar Bartomeu leaving, Messi will end up finishing his career either here or in Argentina. I don't see him going to an, uh, another uh, top European team, such as Man City or Inter Milan, like he was linked to uh, mm -hmm. the summer that just passed. I, I do believe that he's going to stay. And I also believe that now that Bartomeu is out, big changes are going to come to Barcelona. Uh, so you won't be seeing big purchases uh, 
like they've been doing for the past five years. So obviously you won't be seeing purchases like Coutinho selling for uh, being bought for uh, 140 million or 160 million. Griezmann for another 120. Dembele for whatever, another $100 million. I don't think that these purchases are going to happen again because it's not the Barcelona way. Yeah. And uh, if you ask me, these, these purchases had to be, had to be uh, accepted by somebody and it had to be Bartomeu and the board or whoever's in charge of that. So now that that is out of the way, I feel like there, this is going to be a, a big rebuilding uh, phase for Barcelona. I don't think, however, it's going to happen right away as fans predict it to be. I don't see them winning big, big trophies right away. They're in a transition period. I don't know if you have to uh, comment about that, Tommy or Diso. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. Don't expect anything to be to, to change drastically overnight. Like you said, rebuilds take a long time. I know Barca fans aren't used to this because you guys have been one of the most dominant teams for the past I don't know how many years. But now it's something you have to learn to, to accept. And yeah, I feel uh, it's going to be a long process, but hopefully they make the right choices and not the dumb choices and spending over $100 million. Do it right. That's my thing. Diso? Yeah, exactly. They'll make... Uh, definitely in terms of... Because honestly, there's nothing wrong with making large purchases, but as long as you make the right ones and... Uh, and a, address a need like if you're gonna buy Griezmann because if you're in need of a striker so be it but I personally don't like him as a as a striker to be honest but that's a different topic um I agree I mean it's gonna take some time with Pirlo as well I'm being patient uh it is what it is uh Barca and Juve have been dominant for so long um so there's nothing wrong with being patient because good things are gonna come forward after that just positive mindset for the future. For sure. All right. Uh, that's all I got for La Liga. Guys, I don't know if you have anything else to add. Nope. No, I'm good, bro. Just quick, quick, before we leave, uh, Barcelona are playing Juventus. Uh, quick predictions, Tommy. Who do you got for that Tomorrow? Game? Yeah. I don't know. I feel... Uh, I think... I, I think it's going to end in a tie. I th- I'm predicting. Okay. And? Uh, honestly, just based on the El Clasico loss, I think Barca is going to be really like revved up. And I think they might pull out a win. I'm not too too confident with uh, with Juve right now. Um, and they did play decently well against Alas Verona, but they weren't passionate or urgent until they got conceded in the 60th, right? So... If you want to wait until the Sixties to play against Barcelona, you're going to lose badly. So uh, hopefully they have a hungry mindset from the get-go because they're also going to get smacked. So uh, I think Barca is going to pull through, but we'll see what happens. Be confident in the team, man. Back your boys. Uh, <laughs> I will be confident until they show me results. And until then, uh, <laughs> I'm not going to be biased, that's for sure. Yeah. All right. And real quick for me, I, I'm going to agree with Tommy. I think it's going to be a draw game, uh, maybe 2-2 or, or 1-1. Who knows if uh, if Messi shows up that night, maybe he can pull some uh, UCL magic. But uh, we'll, we'll see. 
All right, guys, thanks a lot for tuning in for the La Liga segment. I hope we did well, and I hope we, uh, we made Antonio proud. Uh, we tried to do the best that we can. Thank you for supporting and following. And as always, uh, you can follow us at 514Mation on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and you can listen to this podcast on Spotify and YouTube. Thanks a lot. And Apple. And Apple. Don't forget the Apple. <laughs> <laughs> Ciao, guys.